Hey everyone, welcome to Telling Lies to Children. This is Paul Durham, but if you are listening, you probably already know that. Today's February 28th, and what's new today? Uh, the Luck Ugly's Rise of the Ragged Clover is out in paperback. So if you've pre-ordered that, it should be on its way to you. If you want to go out to a bookstore or order it online, it is available to ship now. And after I'm done uh, recording this, I'm actually going to be on my way over to my favorite bookstore, which is Water Street Books in downtown Exeter. They have uh, a little sort of celebration plan. There's going to be giveaways. Hopefully I'll sign some books. Uh, they always do such great and cool stuff for me, uh, and I really appreciate uh, pr- really appreciate them thinking me that way. On today's episode, uh, I uh, continued my whirlwind tour of the Boston uh, Kids Lit community with a stop at Pine Manor College, which is in Chestnut Hill, uh, Massachusetts, right outside uh, Boston. It's a beautiful little campus, and even after living there for seven years, I'd never actually gotten over to Pine Manor College. Well, what brought me there was Beth Carney. Uh, She is the founding director of the Solstice MFA program, and part of uh, the reason I was uh, drawn to uh, visiting with her and speaking with her is because Solstice is one of the few uh, MFA programs that includes a concentration uh, for writing for children and young readers. And uh, Beth was kind enough to spend some time with me at uh, a a wonderful little, uh, well, not so little, wonderful uh, mansion on campus there uh, that I called Hogwarts and discovered I was not the first one to uh, call it Hogwarts. Uh, It's uh, sort of this this beautiful old uh, building, uh, all kinds of carved wood paneling and banisters and fireplaces and secret passageways and and just great stuff. It's a great place for uh, writers to sit and let their imaginations run wild, I can imagine. And uh, we were joined by Beth Grossert-Little, who is the assistant director of the program. And we just spent some time chatting about Solstice, chatting about writing for uh, kids and young readers, uh, talking about uh, the the great faculty and students at uh, Pine Manor College. Uh, Pine Manor is known as being one of the most diverse uh, colleges in the country, and that extends through the MFA program. They have uh, an incredibly diverse uh, faculty and student body, uh, some amazing faculty members that I won't name drop right now, but you could uh, check them out online, and I guarantee you will know some of the names. Um, uh, so that uh, so that was my experience there, and I had a great time. A couple things I want to mention before we get started, uh, and that is that uh, if you're interested in applying or looking into an MFA program like Solstice, uh, they have a rolling admissions. Uh, they, uh, they accept applications on a rolling admissions basis. Uh, the deadline uh, for uh, summer fall start is April 17th, 2017. Uh, and I also want to mention that they have a 2017 Kurt Brown Fellowship for Diverse Voices you may be interested in, and the deadline to apply for that is March 13th. So I'm not giving you that much of a heads up, but there's a little bit of one anyway. So with that, enough of me yammering. Uh, let's uh, get started with Meg and Beth right after the introduction. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Shh. Are the kids gone? Good. It's time for Telling Lies to Children with me, your host, Paul Durham. This is a first-of-its-kind podcast, one hosted by a children's author, that's me again, but intended for adults who live and breathe children's literature. That's you. 
Whether you're a librarian, a media specialist, a teacher, or a parent, we all work with children every day. But sometimes, it's nice to talk like adults with adults who share our love of children's books and publishing. I'll be chatting with editors at the world's biggest publishing houses, literary agents, award-winning authors, booksellers, librarians, and even young readers. Join me and my guests as we give you a candid, behind-the-scenes look at children's publishing, the business of telling lies to children. But only the best kinds of lies, of course. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Megan Beth, thanks for joining me on my podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having us, Paul. Yeah, this is such a this is such an awesome place. We were just talking about the campus, and it's my first time here at Pine Manor College. Uh, and it is uh, you described it as Hogwarts, <laughs> it right? Is, it is very Hogwarts like. Yeah, uh, we always say it's one of Boston's best kept secrets, yeah. and we're trying to change that. Really. Yeah. Um, more people need to know about the college and about the Solstice MFA program. But it's it's such a beautiful campus. Usually, when people land here, they're they're just astounded. You know. Yeah, it, it really it really of, is. It's kind of like a hidden <laughs> hidden jewel. Would you describe it that way? Yeah, that's you put your marketing copy. Yeah, <laughs> hidden jewel. Well, <laughs> on the marketing copy, we play up the Hogwarts thing. We there say, you go. You know, magic happens here. Nice. And it's true. Nice. Yeah, the students agree. I think some of them, after they hear that reference or, you know, about Hogwarts, and then they'll all, after they've been here for their first residency, they'll all say, oh, yeah, it's magical. You know, or I've been there. Cause, and especially, like, you know, you know, the wizarding world is its own little um, secret place. And I think that when people join this community, they feel the same way where they're joining sort of a secret society of people yeah. that get to do something really special. I think that's... Yeah, and have this passion in common. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to remember to take some pictures before I go because I don't think uh, my description will do justice to sort of the... <laughs> now, are there any, like, secret passages or anything behind, like... The oh, yeah. Cars? Are there really? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You go in the basement and you find all kinds of secret passageways <laughs> <Really>? and things, <laughs> yes. Where do, they, where do they lead to? Anywhere that... <laughs> anywhere you can reveal or not? Ah, <laughs> that, that is the big secret. <laughs> that is the big secret. Uh, I'll have to go exploring later, maybe. Um, so, now, Meg, did you, did you found the MFA program? I did. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, how, so how do you go about, how do you go about founding an MFA program? Oh, my goodness. Well, I didn't... I start with the big questions first. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, I was at the National Book Foundation, Mm -hmm. sponsor of the National Book Awards, and I was looking to make a move. I had run a writer's conference before for for the foundation. I ran a a summer writing camp. Mm -hmm. That's almost like running a residency. Um, So I felt like I knew how to do that, but... Establishing an MFA program was a whole other animal. Yeah. And I didn't really know what I was saying yes to at the time. <laughs> and looking back now, I'm very glad and proud that I did it, but I don't know if I, I would have the energy to do it again. Do it was again. a pretty huge undertaking in the end to get it accredited and yeah. established. But we just celebrated our 10th anniversary in July. No, oh, congratulations. Yeah. And yeah. as of last Saturday, we have 122 alum. Terrific. And part of the reason why I was excited to, to talk to you guys was because of your concentration um, in writing for children and young adults, 
which is relatively, well, I, I think it's more than relatively, it's pretty rare, actually, in the MFA world. Yes. Um, so uh, when we had exchanged emails, I, I think you, you, you mentioned something along the lines of that was really important to you, to, to have a concentration in, in children's literature. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, it was right from the get-go. Um, at the National Book Foundation, even, they had dropped the award for young people's literature mm -hmm. when I joined the foundation in '94. And I worked with the then executive director, Neil Baldwin, to get that award reestablished. And because I also write for children and young adults myself and saw how ghettoized this genre can be <laughs> in the great, publishing industry. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. a real eye-opener when dealing with the National Book Awards and mm -hmm. seeing that happening yeah. across the board. I didn't want to have a program where we did that here. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought um, all the genres have something to teach each other. Yeah. And I, I didn't like the model where writing for children and young adults is its own separate thing. Mm -hmm. So I said, we're going to have poetry and nonfiction and fiction and writing for children and young adults all thrown together. Yeah, and how does so? And, and how do you um, how do you accomplish that? So, so everybody in the MFA program. It's, first of all, it's a, it's a it's a low res program, yes. right? Okay, um, and everybody in the program, um, the cla the courses, the coursework's integrated, right? So, regardless of your concentration, they're all everybody's sort of taking the same courses, or w with some exceptions, or how's that? So? Yeah, everyone is in separate workshops. Mm -hmm. So, and Beth can speak to this yeah. because she's one of our alum in writing for children and young adults. Right. So everyone's in their separate workshops, mm -hmm. but in terms of craft classes, you can take craft classes in any genre right. that interests you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you spent, so the residency is very much um, centered around the workshop yep. and being in that time for three hours a day for those 10 days that you're here and I guess you're actually in workshop eight days um, and you do that with your genre so when I was here you know you go and you're working with other writers who are doing writing YA middle grade or picture books mm -hmm. um, but then the afternoons are spent in classes two-hour classes and you can take anything you want and I think that's a really important thing that this program encourages you to, you know, take a class on sonnets and also on, you know, research for fiction writing or take one on making of the self in nonfiction. All of that will, you know, inherently make your writing, whatever you're writing, better. Um, and that we encourage cross-genre study quite a bit. So, like, in my story, I started here as a fiction writer and was writing short fiction for adults. And there's an opportunity here to try a different genre in your second semester. Mm -hmm. So I tried writing for young adults, um, and then just, I mean, I was, I didn't even, I was barely even there for a day, and I said to Meg, I think I'm probably going to stay, but, um, you know, and that, I think, is a really big thing. A lot of people have a hard time when they're looking for writing programs where, you know, they're being told, you know, you have to pick, they might say, oh, I'm interested in creative nonfiction and fiction, and I'll say, well, you have to pick, and here, I feel like you don't really have to just exclusively choose one thing, which is really nice. Yeah, it gives you the opportunity to evolve, right? And, Absolutely. And, and I, not to generalize, but I think most people who get involved with MFA programs, um, their writing still evolving for the most part, right? And they're, and oh, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and they're learning. So, so you don't always know where you're going to land or mm -hmm. what's going to stick or what's going to be of interest to you. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tell a lot of the poets who make really ideal picture book writers, you know, don't not think that, you know, 
you can't do other things besides write poems, you know. Think think about what other opportunities as writers you might have in, sure. a, in the other genres. Right. You bring your strengths as a poet to writing a picture book. and it's That a, was a revelation that I had myself, and it was something that I like others to kind of well, because you're a poet Discover. yourself, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and um, do you incorporate that into your into your writing for uh, for uh, children and and in absolutely? Yeah. yeah. My my picture book is a poem, mm-hmm. essentially a narrative yeah. poem, and my three YA novels are all in verse. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. so, yes. so, so, so yes. So yeah, you do integrate it. I would say <laughs> you found it very useful to have that. Absolutely. To, to, yeah. to have that have that background, um, and I want to I want to talk about come back and talk about both of your your individual writing obviously because i think it's um you want to think that's great about any any program is especially uh in the arts is learning from somebody who's actually um a craftsperson as well who's actually writing and 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 i think that's that's really critical um and having that sort of practical uh knowledge that can be passed on to on to students um do you one of the things that i always find interesting when i talk to anyone who's part of an MFA program. Um, I didn't go to an MFA program, so part of it is a natural, I have a natural curiosity about sure. it. Um, I took, I say, I don't know if I went in the back door, the front door, the, the basement <laughs> door. I, I snuck in an entirely different way. One of those secret tunnels. Yeah, like, I found yeah, one of those secret underneath. tunnels that led to New York right. and HarperCollins or wherever. <laughs> but, right. Um, but um, I, I'm always curious. I went to law school, and one of my biggest um, criticisms of law school was that, at least at the time I went, it was incredibly impractical. Um, there was a whole lot of reading case law from 150, 200 years ago, very little exposure to what it's really like to be a lawyer mm-hmm. uh, and what it's mm-hmm. like to actually practice. And I just, I just wonder, is, is part of your curriculum, is there any, um, uh, in addition to your own experiences and your, your faculty's um, experiences, is, is there any type of practical component to the course about uh, publishing industry or the way the publishing world Absolutely. works? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Not only about publishing, we have agents and publishers, editors come. Um, every residency, there's some kind of publishing-related yeah. uh, event happening. Mm-hmm. But we also have a pedagogy track okay. for people who are interested in teaching. Um, the MFA is the terminal degree you need to teach writing at right. the college level, so mm-hmm. we have a, a optional pedagogy track. Mm-hmm. And we also offer elective sessions every residency where we bring in a writer who's kind of modeling how you can be a writer in the community and make an impact. Mm-hmm. So we had someone this um, past January um, talk about her work in teaching in prisons mm-hmm. through Penn, yeah. New England. Yeah. Um, and we've had people talk about the Changing Lives Through Literature program, which is an alternative, alternative sentencing program mm-hmm. where writers work with parolees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had somebody come talk about the writing workshops they're doing with refugees and those kinds of communities. So bring people in to present models of what our students might take back to their hometowns because they're spread out over 15 to 20 different states. Sure. Um, and maybe go start something similar where they live. Yeah, yeah. Now, as far as the students that you find coming in, um, and I, I think I probably know the answer to this because I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all type of, of answer, but um, do you find that when your students come into the program, are many of them, is their ultimate goal to get conventionally published? Published? Do you have students who are really looking to build a foundation so they can become editors and agents? Um, are some people just sort of 
kind of exploring it as sort of a, something that they're interested in, but there's no real, um, you know, uh, uh, push or, or, or spark to necessarily be published, or is it a little bit of everything? I mean, is it, is it a, a mix of, of everybody? I would say it's a mix. I would say we have a fair amount of people come in who are already in education, but maybe want to work on their writing now. Mm-hmm. Also, um, some of our younger students, the ones that are just out of undergrad, some of them, I think, are on a teaching track where they're interested in teaching at the college level, high school or college level. Um, and then we have a fair amount of people who really are here less for the degree even and more for the writing experience. And that was my experience. I had already gotten a master's in fiction writing um, in a residential program and wanted really this experience to work on my writing. And I think the low-res um, model is one that can really help writers learn how to build their writing into their life because you're still I worked a full-time you know English teaching job at a boarding school while getting my degree here and that is real life you know when Mm -hmm. you're not published yet and you're not living off some big you know paycheck from some publisher uh, you're working a regular job and writing so I think that that was a much more realistic situation and I think a lot of people come here for that and to uh, really work at their craft is the number one um, goal yeah and a lot of published people are still working those regular absolutely. jobs absolutely I mean that's absolutely <laughs> yeah I mean that, that's just part of the part of the lifestyle yep for, for, for the most part yeah definitely yeah so that's so that there's a mix um Talking about the about the, the student body and your and your students, um, one of the things I think that's most notable, at least in my uh, looking at the program, um, is how um, wonderfully diverse it is. Um, yeah. And, and how it, you know it's it, it's so you know of course you guys know in um, in the children's lit world this, this, there's fortunately been an increasing emphasis on, on diverse books and, yes. and, and, and diverse authors. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come to be? I, I, that's not the type of thing where you just snap your fingers and all of a sudden you have a, a very diverse yeah. uh, student body. How did, how did that evolve? Well, that was right from the get-go, one mm-hmm. of my missions when I started the program. Yeah. Um, playing off a lot of the work that I was doing in New York at the National Book Foundation where we were bringing authors to underserved communities. Yeah. Um, and working with a very diverse group of authors there. And so when I came here, the diversity of this campus was a big draw mm-hmm. to start an MFA program here. Um, Pine Manor has been consistently ranked uh, number one, number two in diversity among undergrad programs. Yeah. Um, and so that really fit in with, with my vision for this program, which started with the most diverse faculty that I think you're going to find in any MFA program across the country. And I believe a diverse faculty is going to draw a diverse student body. Mm-hmm. And part of the mission is to be nurturing all of the voices of America. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do that starting with your faculty. Yeah. And you've had some, you've had some um, pretty amazing faculty um, come yeah. through the doors yeah. and continue to be part yes. of faculty, right? Absolutely. Um, Jack- Jackie Woodson for... Jackie Woodson helped get this program off the ground, and yeah. she continues to support us. Yeah, yeah. that's um, yeah, that's that's terrific. Now, did you did, was was that somebody? Had you met? Had you met her? Yeah. I've known Jackie for twenty something yeah. years. So yeah. When I ran that summer writing camp, Jackie was actually on my faculty. Mm-hmm. Jackie Norma Fox Mazer, who some people will remember in mm-hmm. the YA world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah. when I went to start this, Jackie was 
right there at my side yeah. helping to make it happen. Yeah, that's terrific. Does, does, she, does she still ever teach or guest lecture or do anything anymore? She She comes as she can, which she, of course, else going you know, on, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she tends to be a little busy. She, yeah. she does underwrite um, a fellowship every year. Oh, nice. yeah. And... She she comes as I said as she can. She she skyped with us once when she couldn't physically be here, but she's she doesn't really like to Skype, and I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. If you've ever done a school visit oh, by I Skype, have. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so once I experienced that myself, I was like, okay, this is why Jackie would rather just be here physically when she can instead of skyping with us. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Um, well, that's, I mean, again, that's, that's it's, and she's one of one of many. Again, looking at the bios of, of some of your your faculty, just such a it's such a it's a great um, great group of teachers with such a such a wide range of experience that they could pass on to the students. Yeah, and yeah. diverse in terms of um, genre too. Right. You know, from the very experimental and speculative mm-hmm. um, kind of work to very traditional straight narrative kind of work. Yeah. So. We welcome it all. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. You, know, you brought up Skype visits, and I think one of the um, and Beth, maybe you can speak to this. I, I I know when I got into writing professionally, um, I don't. I didn't have any. I write middle grade, and right. I didn't. We know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't necessarily have any clue what a big role um, school visits and performing and sort of and sort of being. Uh, a character on top of sort of your characters, what, what a big part of, certainly on the middle grade side, uh, YA is a little bit different, I think, I, there's still a lot of a big element of, of visiting with your readers, but middle grade especially, mm-hmm. um, and it was, um, I mean, I, I, I love it, I mean, I, it's, it's my favorite thing to do, um, but it was very, it was not what I think I expected, it's not what a lot of writers, that when they're starting out writing for children, necessarily think of as part of the, part of the process or part of the job. Um, is there any exposure to sort of the uh, Performance—I I, I call it performance in air quotes—but into the uh, performing element when it comes to, to uh, children's literature. Because again, if you're writing picture books or if you're writing for middle grade and, and to a you know to a, a maybe a little bit of a lesser degree YA, um, getting out there and being in front of your readers is such a big part of it. It's not just going so and sitting true. in the bookstore and signings. It's you—I like to say that you have to earn your readers one mm-hmm. classroom at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that is all covered? And if I'm, not. I mean, in within our program, we encourage we have you know student readings and things that are yeah. that kind of break people into that idea because as you said, a lot of people that's not their first thought when they're writing. Their the writing is their first thought, and and we have you know many students who come in and they're terrified of our. We have a student reading every residency where everyone reads a short little piece, um, and then but then by the end, you know, you start. It's kind of the best possible process because you start off in front of the, like the most comfortable community you could possibly imagine because you know these are the people that you're sharing work with every day right. and then you lead up to sort of one of the big moments of your career here is to have a graduate reading mm-hmm. um, and so at your residency where you're going to be graduating you give a 15 minute reading um, and I think that you're also watching those all along. We have a reading series, so every night almost of the residency we're watching people come in here and mm-hmm. give readings. And that, I mean, there's no better way to learn about it than to see what works and what doesn't work. And we have on our faculty some incredible readers and presenters that I think really show the best way to do it. And then specifically in the writing for young people, um, our faculty in that 
are very good about taking time out to talk about the realities of being in that that industry and being in that group of writers and what that looks like. And a lot of them are um, out and practicing that, practicing what they're talking about. So doing school visits and having to promote their own work. And um, I think that they're very open to sharing those experiences with our students. And that's, I think, the best way that we sort of gain that experience here. Yeah. Yeah. It's not throwing them in front of 300. Fourth graders. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which might be an idea to think about, you know. Might be fun. Yeah. Or or bring them them along. Have somebody bring them along to a school Mm -hmm. visit. Right. Um, They're really a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I could see how it would be daunting to somebody. And some people, look, as writers, the, not everybody, but the vast majority of us are introverts. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm an incredible introvert. Mm-hmm. I just put on a good act. Right. Right, when, right. I, when, I, when I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I was a lawyer, but the, when I first started, I said, okay, I'm going to go on tour and I'm actually meet students and go to schools. And, and I really, you know, it was, I spent a lot of time, I don't want to say laying awake at night because that makes it seem like it was just terror. It wasn't terrifying, but it was... Um, I was trying to figure out how I was going to hone and establish yeah, an act. Um, right. And, and I made a lot of, I actually listened to a lot of interviews and read a lot about stand-up comedians. Um, not because I'm particularly funny, um, but because the whole idea that you, you go and you test material and you see what works and you, you, know, you yes. test in front of your audience. And then, you know, after, now having done it for three years or so, um, you kind of know what works and what doesn't. And you have your bag of tricks or something. I don't mean the literal bag of tricks, although I've seen some authors mm-hmm. <laughs> have them. Um, but putting all that together, and it, it's really a fun experience. It's such a different part of your brain and such a different part of what you do than, you know, sitting in a room or, in my case, an old chicken coop and writing, <laughs> well, you know, writing all day long. Um, that, uh, that, yeah, it really is, it, it, especially writing for young people, it's such a big part of, part of the process, and, and it's almost, in the publishing world, um, it's almost mandatory for middle grade. I mean, it there's, is, there's, 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 absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's, there's yeah. no way around it. If you're going to be published by, uh, traditionally published by either one of the big five or, you know, one of the other major publishers... Um, you're going to be, you're going to be stumping mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, earning your readers, which is, um, uh, it's it's a blast, but it's it's something that's not necessarily a, a natural skill. For, yeah, for it can everybody. be very daunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now you've obviously you've always had that experience yourself, Meg. It sounds like, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a busy spring coming up. <laughs> yeah, and are you? Um, uh, is that something you look forward to in the spring or every year? Is that kind of? Do you kind of have a round? Do you do, do your rounds? Yeah, or, I do yeah. some in spring and fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's limited because I also have the full time job yep. and and my own writing time. You know, but yep. but I try to to do well. This this spring will be pretty busy. I've got probably ten school visits lined up. Yeah. So. Yeah, are they are they fairly reached like local? They can drive to, or are you bouncing around a bit? Uh, Connecticut, New York, Missouri. Oh, so you get around. Yeah, yeah, yeah get around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are fun. I don't know. They're fun. they're fun. They're usually exhausting when they're done. They're but. very exhausting, and <laughs> yeah. and I still, you know, I'm trying to still figure out what my bag of tricks is. You know, several years into it, just yeah. trying to still tweak, and you yeah. know, what's going to keep the interest of those three hundred. Yeah. fourth fifth graders or yeah or you know god forbid you're in with the 11th 12th graders who kind of have their arms crossed like you know show me no you did well i had her at my school and she did a workshop a poetry workshop with my juniors mm-hmm. my junior high school students and they loved it they had read meg's first novel in verse and then 
she came to the classroom and did some writing exercises and talk and did a reading and talked about with them and they loved it. Thanks, these are like slightly they were these are kids who were like I hate poetry, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's always the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those 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 juniors and seniors in high school scare me. I can handle I can handle the fourth and fifth graders. I can even handle like the kindergartners and first graders. It's the high school kids that you know. I'm not really sure how to. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I never, a lot They're of them are like, why, yeah, like, why are we here? Um, I don't I don't do a lot with high school. I do right. I do I do do middle school a lot, and occasionally you'll get there's a big I find there's a big jump between sixth to seventh grade. And then especially eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so every now and then I'll do a, I'll do a middle school where they decide they want to bring in like the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I always know that the eighth graders are like, well, at least we're not in math class. Right. But <laughs> why are we not listening to this guy talking about writing in chicken coop and his right. goofy fantasy books and all this sort of stuff? So, um, so yeah, it, it can be a daunting, daunting experience, but. Um, and, uh, and Beth, how about you? Right, what are you working on these days? Do you have a project in the works? Or? I am. I'm working on a novel. I'm working on two novels, but um, I'm, I write a lot of short fiction for young adults, and then also um, some creative nonfiction. But the main project that I'm working on is a novel. And actually, after being here for the residency, it's nice for us too. It's inspiring to sit around and talk to all of these faculty and and. I just love them. And so I had a nice late-night conversation with a couple of our faculty, especially two of our um, writing for young people, and we sort of, it was one of those, like, revelatory moments where I was like, oh, I'm potentially working on the wrong novel. I should probably go back to the one that I started here for my thesis that's been sitting in a drawer for four years. Um, and that is another thing about being in a community like this. It's that small and where everyone knows everyone and mm-hmm. it's very close. Right. And I felt that way as a student as well as now working at the program. But, you know, being able to talk about writing and it's just very inspirational to be here. And, you know, so I pulled this novel out of a drawer and I'm reading it. And then I'm also reading, you know, some advice on novel revision from another one of our faculty and having, you know, help from all sides. And it's a really... Great, but Beth has been publishing some of her pieces, some of her stories, some YA out there, and one that did well last year that won an award for SCBWI Magazine Award um, in the YA Review Network. Yeah, Um, and so that's yeah, it's been good. Writing a novel is hard. (laughs) It is. It is hard. (laughs) You you have plenty of yeah. uh, You have plenty of time. Um, the, The I didn't get published until I was 40 oh, and I've wanted and I've wanted to do, <laughs> and I've wanted to do it ever since I was yay you know ever since right, I, was yeah. a, I was I was a kid and and um you know that's not a story that's unique to me everybody I mean so many authors so have many of us have yeah, yeah. I, yeah. it doesn't surprise I mean I'm not at all surprised and you know you go to grad school and you start to understand why people say it took me seven years to write that book or um, something like that. Yeah, there's no, I don't see a time limit on what I'm doing. I, I do think that, you know, you don't, you don't have all the time because you, we don't know how much time we have. So you have to work and move forward and do the best that you can. It, it happens when it's supposed to. Yeah. And then, um, then you get on a contract and then all of a sudden it happens whether it's supposed yeah. to or not. <laughs> <laughs> and things take on an entire, it's, it's, 
it's always it's always funny. Um, I call that first year after you get, you know, after you get published or you sort of break through as kind of the wonder year because you kind of go in with these wide eyes and everything's going to be, you know, wonderful. And I finally, you know, hit the pinnacle of my dreams. And then after about two or three years, you start talking to all the other authors, and you get it's not that you get jaded and cynical, but you sort of peek behind the curtain, and you you sort of see the the machine the the machine and how it how it works mm-hmm. um, for better and worse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's um, you know I, I really uh, you know I think it's great to the extent that your students get exposed to sort of some of the real life stories too from from authors because it's a you know it's it, it's it's a grind. Um, it's incredibly satisfying to 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 do what you love. Um, to do what you're passionate about, and and um, but it's like any other occupation. I mean, there's you know, it's a business, and sometimes you don't know what's going on there until you until you get your until you step in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I and, think I think too one of the things that our that Meg highlights for everyone when we get here, and as part of what's important too, is that you know while you're here, sure we want everyone to be as successful in whatever way success means success right. to them, mm-hmm. um, but that while you're here, it's very much about your craft and about getting better. Um, and that that is sort of why we're here. We're not here to be discovered. We're not here mm-hmm. to, you know, get that big contract. If that happens for you, we're very, we're thrilled. <laughs> Slap you on the website. But there's, yeah. you know, but what it's about here is that we're, we're becoming better writers and helping other people become better writers because that, mm-hmm. those two things together are what are in the end going to make your craft the best that it can be. Um, and I think that that's really important. There's no there's no sense of pressure here to like find what success and whatever that might mean. It's more about sort of like what are your goals and every student has to write an artist statement at the beginning of every semester. Like what what do you want to see happen for your writing? And the, our faculty encourages everyone to be really thoughtful and intentional on, on, on in their writing and in their work. And I think that's sends you on the right path to have whatever success you might whatever that means to you. you know? Yeah, and it's different, right? Like, like for said, everyone. It's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's going to have a different idea of what, what success is. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, just writing that novel, whatever may happen to it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just to finish yeah. something mm-hmm. is, yeah. is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. I think, too, in MFA programs, many students think that they're going to graduate with this manuscript in hand that's quote-unquote publishable. Mm. And um, I think maybe MFA programs even kind of uh, encourage that that conception. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're careful just to give everybody a reality check. You know, while some people do go on to publish their creative thesis mm-hmm. after they graduate, that might be just the stepping stone they needed to write in order to write the next thing right. that will be publishable. Right. And and how many of us get our first novels that we complete published? I don't know the numbers, but there's right. probably not a whole. It's probably a pretty low percentage. Um, and by first novels, I mean yeah, the first thing that we actually finish and, and, right. and type the end. Um, that's probably a pretty small percentage that winds up uh, published someday. Mm. Um, would be nice if it was different. Yeah, and I think it's good for students to be aware of that. Yeah. You know, just their expectations about their own success. You yeah. know, and what it's going to take to get something published. It's it's so competitive out there. Right. Right. Um, and um, you know it, it's you know writing unto itself is uh, is an accomplishment and it's a joy <laughs> and it's it's something that um, you know I won't speak for you guys I know I did it before they paid me to do it I'll keep doing it 
when they stop paying me <laughs> um, right. to do it um, because I can't I, I can't not do it. It's just it's been a part of me ever since as, as far back as mm-hmm. I can remember. Um, and it's one of those things if you just have the, the passion to tell stories, uh, like I'm sure all your like you do and all your students do, then um, it, it seems like it's a really wonderful place to be. Um, and, and again, especially I really. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you have the program for uh, young writers and, and uh, not young writers, but people writing for for youth and children because it is unusual and it's it's. Um, I like that term that they've been ghettoized, as you said, yeah. as, as you said earlier. I think it's changing. I mean, I'm biased, but I, I tend to think that um, you know writers who write really good stuff for kids. Like, I mean, people who are really at the top of their craft. I think it, I think that's what stands the test of time and that's what's timeless that's what's some of the strongest best writing out there are people who are writing for kids because the best kids books really aren't for kids they're for everybody that's right mm-hmm. absolutely um, and I, I think if you look back at, at some of the, some classics um, they really you know maybe that you might say they were for children but they're not they're, they're, right. for, they're for everybody right. but somehow there's a conception among some people that writing for young people's easier than writing for adults, and that's that's the the opinion that we really need to yeah to change. Yeah, it's because they haven't done it, or they don't read enough. They don't read enough fiction for or or, or nonfiction right. for that matter. Or you you know you read a picture book to your child, and it seems oh so simple. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that if yeah. I had the time. Right, right. Or I you know I I tell stories to my kids before bedtime. I get that a lot too. Um, right. People say oh, yeah, I tell I tell uh, these great stories. I tell my kids before bed. I should write a book. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you guys for joining me. It was it was great. It was so nice to spend some time with you and uh, yeah. at the beautiful Pine Manor College. And and you guys, um, you guys, you guys were terrific. And this wasn't too painful, right? No, this was great. really fun, Paul. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Telling Lies to Children was brought to you by, well, nobody, just me and my guests. One of the nice things about being completely unknown in the vast world of podcasting is that you don't have to listen to me read 10 minutes worth of ads at the beginning and end of every episode. But I hope you'll check out my website, pauldurhambooks.com. There you can find out more about the Luck Ugly series, you can book a school visit, you can shop the newly opened Dead Fish Inn gift shop, or just reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of my guests' websites and social media there. So until next time, I wish you happy reading, ugly luck, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon.
bet that woke you up. See you next time.